Welcome to the Knowledge Entrepreneurs Show, where we celebrate the innovators driving change in the education industry. At Edison OS, we've worked with over 500 knowledge entrepreneurs to turn their edtech ideas into profitable businesses. In this episode of the Knowledge Entrepreneur Show, we have Suraj Perry, the co-founder of Gladvine, with a background in chemical engineering from CBIT in Hyderabad and a master's in energy science and policy from Carnegie Mellon University, specializing in AI and data science. Suraj is one of the driving forces behind the company's success. Hi, Suraj. Good afternoon. Thank you so much uh, for being a part of uh, the Knowledge Entrepreneur Show today. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, man. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Suraj, uh, here's my first question. Uh, it's a very mm-hmm. light one, open-ended one. Uh, just to know the person, Suraj, and then we can probably talk sure. about what you do. Can you walk us through your journey yeah. uh, leading up to the point when you started uh, Gradvine? Sure. Um, this is probably going to be a longer, longish answer than you would have expected, but here it is, right? So, um, typical Telugu, South Indian sort of family very set paths in terms of what you could do after 10th grade, not even after 12th grade, right after 10th grade, you knew it was going to be either BPC, so biology, physics, chemistry, or an MPC, a math, physics, and chemistry. So the basic two routes that were available to you were engineering or medicine, right? Given the fact that a lot of family members had done engineering, that was the path that I was shoved into without too much thought. Like there wasn't a discussion that I had with my parents, neither did they initiate anything, neither did some of the other engineers in the family ever initiate the discussion around, okay, you or you're on the cusp of finishing 10th grade, what should you be doing? Typical MPC guy went into engineering, a tier two engineering college, one of the best private institutions in, in, in Hyderabad, which is where I'm based out of. But overall in the picture, in the grand scheme of things, not such a great place, was probably average-ish, top 50, top 60. In, in the country um, because of my lower rank on the on the test that is required to get in I could only get chemical engineering as a subject within the school that I wanted to go to within the engineering college that I wanted to go to so I'm a chemical engineer by by degree by profession essentially but I quickly understood that chemical engineering or even engineering was not something that I resonated with too much and this is after I had gotten into engineering, right? So typical chemical engineering graduated um, in the third year of engineering. I, I very, very easily figured out that this was not for me. This is not a path that I wanted to go down. And I still wanted to be technical in nature, but I also started to look for other avenues. I, I started um, dabbling with a bunch of extracurricular activities, uh, played a bunch of sports for both the college and the university, and then very quickly figured out that within chemical engineering, there's a small niche that I probably would have wanted to explore. And this small niche was energy, um, not the regular fossil fuel sort of stuff, but a lot more on renewables and stuff like that. So that was a small niche, and I was really good with numbers, so I wanted to marry both of these. And that's when the whole applications journey to get a graduate degree started. Went around to literally every single consulting firm, consultancy agent firm in in Hyderabad and quickly, very, very, very quickly actually realized that none of them had ever given the GRE. None of them had ever taken any standardized tests. None of them had actually gone abroad to do their education. So my questions became, okay, all of the input that I got from them is you are not meant to go to good universities. I did not have a really good CG, so maybe that was one of the factors, but 
they said to my face that you are not really good enough to get to a really good university. You are better off applying to places that we have a tie-up with, that we have some sort of a commission model with, right? Um, that just didn't sit right with me. That was also the year, the first year that I had actually gotten a PC and an internet connection at home. This was in my final year of undergrad. So I used that to the maximum. Six months of thorough research and I applied to five, six universities all by myself. Got into a bunch of really good ones and actually ended up going to Carnegie Mellon. Um, so Carnegie Mellon happened uh, right after engineering. So no work experience, nothing. And then it was a struggle there as well. First day that I go to CMU, my advisor pulls me up and asks me a bunch of questions around, hey, do you have this prerequisite? Have you done this course in your undergrad? Did you do this? Do you have this skill? And the answers to all of those were no, 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 no. Right? So that's when I was put into an undergraduate first year Excel basic class for a graduate student to come and sit with 18, 16 year olds, 17 year olds um, and start with Excel again. That was pretty jarring. But yeah, I mean, after CMU, I think um, CMU was a turning point for me. Learned a lot you know, just breaks you down into a million pieces, but also gives you the power to attach all of them back. So that was a great learning for me at CMU. And yeah, that's stuff that, uh, do you want me to go into work X and all of that? Or this part is good enough for us? It's fine. It's fine, Suraj. Uh, I think okay. uh, you touched upon uh, why uh, Gradvine uh, happened. Hmm. One of the reasons. Yeah, one yeah. of the reasons. So, but uh, just... Not that it was meant to be part of this podcast, but I just like to, you know, take some time out to just talk to you about this because it might turn out to be useful. Some you said when you went to CMU, uh, it's a very difficult thing, right? You just kind yeah. of lose yourself. You, you know, it breaks you into a lot of pieces. And then, you know, can you share what exactly happens and, you know, how it really helped you in a positive way? Yeah, sure. Um, I think a lot of engineers will resonate with what I'm going to say right now. Um, in engineering school, specifically in India, there's a very popular phrase, one night batting. One night before the exam, yeah. you sit yeah. down and go through previous five years question papers or yeah. whatever. That's absolutely more than enough to get through the exams and even probably get a first class and maybe even a distinction if you're smart enough about the phrase. Right. Engineering in India is all about cracking the exam rather than the learning process. Right exactly the opposite happened for me at Kanye mm. So at CMU, um, a bunch of financial constraints on me. I had to finish a two-year degree in about a year, um, which meant that I had a course overload both my semesters. Right. Given that course load and given the fact that the process for each one of these courses mm. is not an end exam, but a continuous evaluation of assignments that are about 40% of your grade, right midterm paper that's about 30% of your grade and finals which is only maybe 20 or 30% of right. your grade right so you can't just sit one night before the exam and you know get a good right. grade and grades are important there so you are forced into this culture of continuous learning into making sure that every assignment every week was delivered on time and of the highest quality you can't plagiarize you can't take a senior's assignment just erase their name, put in your name and submit it as it is in an engineering college in India. You just can't do right. that. So that was a shock. On top of that, the amount or the course load on me was very, very difficult. So that way it was trial by fire. Like you either get through or you get out and drop out and come back to right. India. 
and that wasn't an option for me given the the uh, decent sum of education loan that I've taken right. up. So that was just not an option. Right. So course load plus the amount of day in and day out work that you had to do. By second semester, I think I had stabilized uh, a little bit having gone through the entirety of first semester. But this is the biggest difference between what is taught in Indian universities versus what happens actually in the world, in the industry, as well as uh, in graduate school. Got it. How long did it take for you to kind of fall into that new process? Did you even, you know, finally get there? Yeah. Did you catch up with that system? Absolutely. You finally get there. And this has been my advice to all the students that are going from India. And this is this is the basis of everything Gradvine, right? You've got to make sure that you do a lot of prep before you leave. Right. You also have to make sure that you are giving your 100% while you're there to academics and not to the whole life, fancy life in the US. This is probably the first time you're going there. Um, Friday night parties are not going to happen because most of your assignment submissions are either going to be Thursday nights or Friday nights. So it's not glamour or glitz and all that. So if you are going there as either an undergraduate or a graduate student, get ready for either four years or two years of really hard work because that's what is going to get you your Friday nights later on once you've graduated. So all the glitz and the glamour that you see, probably not true. It's just social media being social media. But my biggest advice to folks that are going abroad for either an undergrad or a grad, prepare yourself for it. Get into the habit of continuous work. It doesn't have to be, the magnitude of the work is not big, but it's just continuous work. You're improving week on week, week on week. There's concepts that you will learn that you'll put into practice, computational stuff that's happening. And it's a very challenging week on week sort of uh, program that you get into. Um, Takes about, I want to say, the first half of a semester. So if a semester is five months long, about two, two and a half months to get used to it. But once you're used to it, it becomes pretty easy. You have a set schedule. You you know when each course's assignment is due. And so you can plan accordingly. The other thing that Indians come with is Jugard. So uh, 100% use your own, you know, Jugadu stuff here and there, cut corners. That's okay. But just make sure um, ethically, morally, you are doing the right things. That's, that's pretty much it. Got it, Suraj. Suraj, you spoke about a few points that kind of put you in a shock, right? Oh, you know, a lot of adjustments to happen. Maybe a little yeah. negatively for uh, compared to what... Yeah. I mean, idealistically, it's right. But given the way we've lived here and you go there, it takes a little bit of an adjustment. But what are those things that yeah. kind of, you know, totally made you feel like, wow, this is amazing? <laughs> yeah, this, this is a story I often tell. So, uh, g- give you a little bit of context. The flight to the US was my first flight ever. Okay. Till that time, I'd never gotten on, never gotten to the airport, let alone on um, on a plane. And my first flight was to the US. So it's an international flight. flight. You have to go through all right. of the immigration and a bunch of stuff. I was very fortunate to have a bunch of seniors that were traveling with me and they had gone abroad uh, a little bit. So that from that perspective, it was all okay. Um, we get to New York City and from New York City, there's a connecting to Pittsburgh. We take that Pittsburgh connection all good all great we get into the taxi we come to the apartment that we are staying in and you have to cross the road while you are crossing a road in india you are looking left you are looking right you are looking straight you are waving through traffic you are almost avoiding death yeah. right in the us there's a button you press okay that button activates a signal for people everywhere else to stop and you can walk through in places that that button is not there 
passengers or, or pedestrians are given right of way which means that every car if you are at an intersection will come to a full halt till you cross the entirety of the road that was my first introduction to us right, right? as at this intersection with a bunch of bags i'm i'm just standing there i have no clue i, I i'm still in the indian right, world right i'm right, i'm trying right. to wave through traffic and all of that and suddenly all of the cars come to a stop at the intersection right. they're not moving right. and i'm confused i'm i'm sitting i'm standing there i i have no idea why these fellows have right. stopped and then one of them honks at me which is again unusual to hear in the us he figures out i think that i was a noob to the country and he signals me to go right and that's when it clicked for me this is a country which emphasizes on a lot of things that are not emphasized in it right like a lot of really good things culture is big um taking care of oneself both physically and mentally that's huge in the country right. um there's a culture of learning right. like nobody is going to care about so much the grade that you're getting as much as the quality of the assignment that you've submitted the amount of research that you've done to submit right. that the quality of the papers that you're submitting or the projects that you're submitting nobody cares about the theoretical knowledge as much as they care about the computational so because my course was very computationally heavy the kind of code that we wrote the kind of algos that we used to solve particular problems so these are some of the things that were absolutely a a, a 180 culture shock for the good so brilliant place to be um, i'd advise everyone to go abroad at least once in their life i if just to live or to get a degree it just changes your perspective on on literally everything great suraj so now uh, gradwine so when did the idea of gradwine uh, come to you and uh, mm. how did you go about executing that yeah um sorry my answer seem like a lot of context and then no please uh, that's exactly what i'd love yeah you're you're like okay, doing sure, it amazing sir. here's again context right um do i i don't really come from a very financially well to do family which meant that i had to fend my for myself during my undergrad days right. there was no concept of pocket money or anything of that sort and i had a bunch of really affluent friends that were go that were able to go to the canteen get stuff um you know eat really good stuff and i was always jealous my first job actually happened in second year of undergrad so i i've always been the kind of guy that hustled for money for um side gigs for a bunch of really um odd jobs here and there anything that i could right. do right second year of undergrad is when i got into this organization called worldview education services i d- did a lot of educational trainings um for school children model un trainings and a bunch of uh, geopolitical awareness and all of that that was great for me and then in my third year or so because of the skill set that i was building at the firm a lot of my seniors approached me that those seniors were looking to apply to grad school mm. those guys approached me and said hey i'm writing my statement of purpose which is a document right. that's required to apply can you help me out with it and that's where it started so i i wrote in my third year of undergrad i remember writing at least five or six um six statements of purpose for students that were applying who were my right. seniors and that's where the whole idea of okay maybe i can charge for this later on some right that whole idea started from there then 6 months of absolutely thorough research which still is the backbone of everything that i do at gradvine today 6 months of great research into every single course possible 
every single university that's out there and back then leveraging Facebook. Unlike today, LinkedIn wasn't really there at that point in time. It was Facebook groups, um, folks that had seniors that had gone abroad, all of these guys back on Facebook. So leverage Facebook to a lot of, uh, to connect to a lot of people. And that's where the whole foundation was set in place, though it was very un- subconscious. It wasn't really conscious towards starting a company later. Right. Got into CMU, was very difficult financially. So to just to make ends meet, started helping juniors and their juniors with right. their application process. Right. That's where we st- I started making a little bit of money. So I, I remember we used to charge about uh, 5,000 Indian rupees okay. uh, for the entire applications process. Okay for one student and every single one of them had gotten into a top 10 at that point. Okay. So all of this help, I already had a full-time job, a side gig and another side gig. So that was my schedule till one day we, Srikar was my co-founder. We've known each other since undergrad. Okay. So Srikar and I played for the badminton team in college. We uh, hosted conferences, did a bunch of uh, work together during undergrad and we'd applied to universities at the same time. We'd gotten into Dartmouth. I had gotten to CMU. We were really good friends um, and we'd continue talking to each other through the entire journey as well. And that's where we came together and said, okay, we're making decent amount of money, it looks like. And there seems to be a huge void for accurate, unbiased and on the ground information. Nobody actually is telling the students, don't go to XYZ University for this course because it's not good. Instead, apply to this other course at a different university because we're seeing exceptional employment opportunities come out there. So that's on the ground information. Right. Because of the network we'd built in, um, I remember the first mentor portal at Gradvine had 12 mentors, all close friends and associates, all in the best 12 universities of the US. Right. Speaker was at Dartmouth, I was at Carnegie Mellon, Shaurya, another uh, one of our starting mentors was at Columbia. Um, Harsha was at UC Berkeley, Shodan was at Berkeley, there are a bunch of folks at um, MIT, one of them was at Stanford. So we had come together, 12, 13 of us, and we said, okay, we'll start helping students, but give them actual information and not just help them with the essay, the statement of purpose. Of course, the statement of purpose also gets benefited by the fact that we'd already cracked our own admits, but the biggest value add is with the information that we are able to give the students even before they get to that stage. So uh, 2015 was when I graduated, 2016 is when we started to slowly, um, you know, help students charge a little bit of money. Keep in mind, we had not incorporated formally. We had done nothing, no paperwork. That's when Sreeker decided to move back to India. Um, He handled the paperwork, set up the company and hired our first intern in 2017. In 2017, we cracked something. We we found service market fit. We had helped 100 students. We had taken about, I, I remember, if I remember right, 9,500 rupees from each one of them. Every single one of them had gotten into a top 20 US university. Every single one of them, top 100. Right. 100 kids into a top 20, right? And that's when we knew that we were onto something, both in terms of the amount of advice and the value that we are adding, also in terms of maybe potentially being a really high revenue, uh, high profit sort of a business. Once those two things clicked, next year is when I moved back. 2018 is when I moved back. Um, 
of course i still have a bunch of side gigs and stuff like that but gradwine is the main full-time sort of commitment that i have from 2018 onwards so sticker and i have been running this today we have 700 plus mentors and each year we do 1000 plus students that are applying to either undergrad or to grad schools as well um the statistic that i told you in the start 100 students yeah, top 20 every single one of them to a top 20 that has slightly changed 1000 students 98% of them top 50 so literally almost everyone goes to a top 50 university but the number that i'm still proud of is a 52% one in every two students goes to a top 10 and that's been something that 500 many, students are literally in the top 10 500 students in the top 10 and when i say top 10 it's not any of the random ones right these are mit stanford carnegie mellon purdue georgia tech berkeley and these are names yeah. that everyone would kill to yeah. have 500 students every year to the top 10 and that's been the continuous quality metric that that is very personal to the both right. of us that's the metric that we drive the entire organization that's our north star basically so yeah long-winded answer but that's how we started not at all not at all it was uh, please continue answering in the same way because i think that's uh you said uh so you started this whole helping people out after you finished your course that you went for uh in the u.s right? even before that right so even in undergrad i was helping throughout the course i needed money uh to just sustain myself so i was helping a few folks there but it was never in collaboration Shrika, with someone right. else. It was, it was just you. Correct. It was never, it was just me just helping students, taking a little bit of money and Go trying ahead. to pay for my rent and other expenses. Um, 2016 is when we got together and right. said, okay, let's pool all of our resources. Right. Right. Let's get a bunch of other folks. Right. And then let's try and scale this up a little. Right. By then, before that, I was probably doing five or seven or 10 students. In 2016, we started numbers. 2017 is when we got to 100. And then from there on, it's just good. Suraj, uh, you said uh, your first 100 students top 20, right? Uh, yeah. Is it uh, because of you helping them or were yeah. all the 100 students were, you know, top quality, no matter where they would yeah. have gone for help, they would have gotten into top 20? Absolutely. So I would say it was a combination of both. They did come with really solid profiles. Um, and mind you, none of the first hundred students were from any of the IITs or the or maybe one or two students from bits but none of the IITs. Right. so it's not like they're at the pinnacle of achievement in terms of their undergrad they were from places like vit from my alma cbit in hyderabad uh, from rv uh, from um, uh, manipal which was one of our biggest campuses and still to, to date is one of the biggest campuses so these are good private engineering colleges but not the bits or not the IITs or anything of that sort, right? So for me to say that, um, you know, they would have gotten in irrespective might not be true, but they did come with very, very solid profiles, which made it easier for us to work with. Got it. Two things that worked in our favor. I think we had credibility. We had done it ourselves. Right. We had helped a few students. So we had our initial testimonial set. So our MVP, so to speak, was in place. And second thing is we reached out to them. We said, hey, I am a CMU alumnus. I am going to talk to you for free and solve all your doubts. You only have to pay me if you want me to do any work. For right, you. right. All of the advice is free, even to date. We have free consultations for everyone. There's no limit on that. 
all of the advice that you want all of the questions that you have absolutely free in fact we go out there get all of these guys to give you webinars seminars one on one on discord everywhere only payers when you need help with getting work done right. like writing your essays figuring out the best possible university course fit for you all of right. that for the work we charge yes everything else is absolutely free and that works in our favor because and this continues to this date if sticker or i or any of the other guys that are in the team right now talk to someone it's an 80% conversion the and that number is unheard of in in just in our segment as well as in the education sector overall b2c 80% conversions like if a person talks to me there's an 80% probability that he will sign up for a service right and that's testament to how good our advice is how accurate our advice is and how relevant it is to that person and how personalized it is to the student that is scheduling that call so yeah i mean we started off out of the 100 good profiles a lot of them um helped with a bunch of fine tuning helped with tweaking that helped with adding a lot of flair to it identifying the right university and courses to apply to and then yeah uh, put in a lot of hard work that yeah. that first year no no of course uh, i you know the question didn't come from it just came from a place that yeah, yeah, uh, you know yeah. if the same 100 students would have had to go to any other typical uh, consultancy they may not have ended in uh, you know ended up in the top 20 universities they would have probably ended up at a top 50. top 50 right a top 20 maybe maybe not but more importantly top 20 for the exact course that they right, wanted right, right not something that the university had a tie up with that the consultant right, had a tie up right. with not some irrelevant coursework right i remember i still remember a bunch of guys that had done again for engineering guys ece electronics and computational engineering and wanted to shift towards computer science and we made that shift possible wow okay no other consultant would be able to do that no other consultant is going to say okay you can apply to cs they will say you can't apply to cs because you don't have prerequisites right. we were able to make those changes right and each one of them i'm still in touch with the fresh batch of students that are graduated um most of them are pms or or like serious of devs um like one of them is a vp engineering at a as startup all of these guys are at the pinnacle sort of in their careers in the kinds of companies and in the, in the kinds of um, work that they right. that added advantage i don't think would have been there yeah yeah got it switch yeah no, th- this is exactly what i wanted to probably elicit from you uh yeah. suraj uh, when you were sharing your experience about how you and shrikas started off and then you know the void that was there and stuff you said the biases the biases that are there yeah. could you elaborate on what exactly you mean by that yeah let me give you context right sure. again um i am a telugu guy okay. who's born somewhere else but brought up my entire life in hyderabad okay. If you look at statistics, the number of students that go abroad, the highest majority, the highest percentage comes from the two Telugu states. Just to be one yeah, split into yeah. two comes from the two Telugu states. The number of students that go from either Hyderabad, Vijayawada, Vizag, all of the bigger Guntur, all of these bigger cities in both my states, is astronomical. Out of the one lakh students that go to the US every year, about forty thousand. go from both these okay. two states right which means that there is also a very big industry of agents or counselors that is helping these guys get to cases 
at the same time out of these 40000 if you take a look at the numbers not more than 1500 or 2000 are going to the best of the best the top 50 suraj uh, sorry to interrupt the 1 lakh you just yeah. uh, is is it the actual number so or uh, approximately about a lakh to the us wow okay sorry yeah a lakh lakh 20 yeah um, depends on the year but approximately a lakh um, go every year to the us Got it. out of these about 1500 40000 i think 30 to 40000 from um, the telugu, the telugu states. states yeah out of which about only 1500 2000 make it to the top 50 university which is a shame top 50 and okay top 50 five wow. only okay. 1500 2000 out of the 40 okay. right so that's when we dug deeper a little hmm. also through our own experiences right when we were in final year of undergrad we had roamed around the number of counselors every street has a counselor right every street has a study abroad agent right every single one of them is has a set of partner universities places like hawaiian pacific university of north texas silicon valley university all of these places that you've never heard of in your right life. and if you look at the population makeup the international student population makeup of these universities that have tie ups you will see that the majority of them are from the telugu states wow okay so our thesis was okay there's talent here a bunch of folks seem to be going abroad a lot of them seem to be going abroad why aren't they making to making it to the really good universities what's stopping right. them the answer is there are gatekeepers hmm there are gatekeepers or these counselors that get their pay that get their revenue that earn their living from putting a student to a university that they're tied up with right let me give you an example xyz consultant out of amirpet which is the local head of yeah, all of the consulting places in hyderabad right so these are like buildings and buildings every single floor has one room that's a study abroad consulting firm they have tie ups with at least 45 50 universities right. per student that applies they get about 200 300 dollars that applies mind you not not even gotten in per student that gets in and goes each consulting firm on one student makes anywhere from 2500 to 5000 dollars wow us dollars okay that's a lot when there's such a big revenue driver that's coming from you putting a student to a university that you are tied up with where is the incentive for you to put them in the right places that they deserve to go to right where is that incentive that that doesn't exist and so what we did is we flipped the model we charged the student we have zero tie ups we have no partnerships essentially with universities we try and find the best possible place for that student to go to we find the best fit for that student and not fit for the university which is right us, right so we flipped that model and that has worked wonders out of the 1000 students that we serve every year or this past year about i want to say about 100 150 are from telugu states um every single one of them has gotten into a top top 10 top 20 right, right? so out of the 2000 we are contributing 150 to 200 people and looking to scale from here on in terms of absolutely high talent caliber guys right. going to the right fit right. and not wasting their time going to substandard universities just for the heck of going to the US. right right so that was our biggest biggest sort of incentive to start gradwine was the fact that there was a dearth of really accurate 
information and advice to students. There was also a dearth of unbiased counselors. Everyone else in the market, including the biggest ones that are out there, Leverage, Leap, all of these guys have now turned to a agency sort of model. Hmm. Right? Every single one of them earns money when a particular student goes to a university that they are partnered. Right. Yeah. These uh, consultants that you said, you know, who get paid $2,500 to $5,000, they don't charge the aspirants. Is it? The students are not charged by them. Very minimal, right? Very minimal. They just take a token amount just for the sake of taking just it. For... And in some cases, they just give you a discount entirety. Uh-huh. Like they give you a 100% discount and say, I'm not going to charge you at all. Let me put you into a university that's partnered and make my money from there. But in some cases, yeah, they, they charge the student as well. There are some cases, there's some counselors that charge the student about 20, 25K, wow. get about $2,500 from the university and still send them right there. Got it. Because again, you have to understand money is a huge Yeah, market, yeah, yeah. Right? Of course. Biggest motivator for any business, any entrepreneur to start a business. Um, if it's not, then something's wrong. Um, <laughs> but money is right there. Yeah. You're getting so much amount of money. Yeah. So it's very easy to compromise on your, even if you did start off as someone who wants, who wants to do to, the right yeah. thing. It's a lot of money very, to very ignore. Difficult to very, too much money to ignore. Got it. And uh, so, uh, so is it that only these universities that are not sought after pay, right? Obviously the top 20 are not going to bother paying anybody anything, right? They get enough applications, right. right? Every year for an MIT or a Carnegie Mellon for their computer science master's degree, which has a class size of about 50, they get 5,000 to 8,000 applications. Wow. Okay. They get it by themselves. Everyone wants to apply there and go right. there. So there is no dearth of applications to the really good universities, to the top 20, even the top 50. Got it. Only ones that are beyond that, that are looking to survive, that don't really get too many international students. But here's the other thing, right? International students, on average, pay 3x the tuition fee that an American citizen would pay. Wow. 3x. Okay. okay. Because international tuition at decent universities is anywhere between 25,000 US dollars all the way up to 45,000 US dollars per year. Right. For citizens or for um, US citizens and nationals, it's anywhere from 10,000 to 12,000 US dollars. So it's 3x almost. Right. And so for the university, they want international students to come. Right. Which means that they are incentivizing these agents and counselors in countries like India, um, China, in countries like Australia, in the Middle East, etc., in Southeast Asia, they are paying to get students to apply and subsequently come join their universities. Got it. Right. So, yeah, big business. Okay. And uh, as far as Gradvine is concerned, uh, do you filter the universities that you tie up with? Are universities also approaching you? How does it work? What is your model? So, we don't have any formal tie-ups or partnerships with any university. We don't get any money from any university. That's completely out of the world. What we partner with is for webinars. For example, the there's a course, Masters of Engineering Management, which is one of the most, it's like the younger cousin of an MBA, one of the most sought after courses for engineers who are looking to pivot into managerial right. after the MBA. Right. Um, the MBA is very, very expensive. Right. MEMs are half the cost, exactly similar sort of curriculum, not that much. Right. So this is very well suited for someone who has two years or less 
for working. Two, three years of working. Right. Perfect degree for them if they're looking to move into managerial sort of degrees. MBAs are more for folks that have four years plus of working. Right. right? For the engineering management degree, Dartmouth is where Shrikar went. Columbia is where another one of our mentors went. Johns Hopkins is a really good university. Purdue is another university. All of these four, they come to us and they do webinars with us. So Seeker or I am moderating these sessions. We have about 300, 400 students joining mm. in. We are essentially giving the university and the course, the department, a playground to publicize their course, nice. to talk about what the degree is, what the benefits are, etc. And we have a very captive audience that seeks out this information. Right. That's the extent of our partnerships with universities. There's no monetary partnerships at all. Right. So we bring in the best. Carnegie Mellon's computer science program comes and does a webinar with us very, very frequently. Um, there's uh, Duke University's artificial intelligence program comes and does webinars with us. Johns Hopkins, University of Maryland's business school. All of these guys come partner with us to put their content out to our captive student audience. But there is no money exchange which means that we are completely unbiased and i think this is one of the things that is a core tenet of uh, core principle of the firm i don't think i don't see ourselves at any point in the future going the other way for the money and turning ourselves into an agency even for one or two years i don't think it makes sense for us because our, our philosophy is very clear doing something a hundred percent of the time is far easier than doing something 98% of the time. Once you've given in, you've given in. There is no way you can put a stop to that landslide once you have given in. So I don't see ourselves anytime in the near future going that agency route. Unless MIT decides to partner and wants us to be their agency, absolutely, absolutely willing to do that if MIT or Carnegie Mellon or one of these really good ones come to us and say, hey, we are not getting enough admissions. Can you help us out? absolutely willing to do that but none other doesn't work it's very interesting Suraj, that you had to say all this because it's like as if you read my mind because my next question was this mm. not that i was going to ask you mm. okay you know why aren't you tying up or something like that but this is a let's just imagine a situation right let's say a student who yeah. who doesn't have what it takes to probably organically go apply and get into right what would you do if, uh, let's say you told something like what? North Texas University, let's say, for example. Let's say North Texas mm-hmm. University is the only place the student will be accepted, just hypothetically, right? Or the likes. Mm-hmm. And these are the guys yeah. who pay $2,500, $5,000. First, mm-hmm. first question, will you help the student get into that type of a university? Or would you say, you know what, boss, you've got better things. You can do better alternatives. Um, yeah. or if he's adamant, no, no, I need to have a degree from the US. And, you know, if he happens mm. to go choose North Texas, why would you let go of the $5,000? Uh... Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to start off with, with the same quote that I said, right? It's easier to do something 100%, 100% of the time yeah. than to do 98% of the time, right? We, every year out of the thousand, about a hundred, 150 students are like that. They just want a degree. They right. don't really care about which university, etc. They might care about the employment opportunities that um, uh, any university will give them after they graduate because they still have to pay back their education loans and all of that. In those cases, right, even in those cases, because of the fact that we don't have any partnerships or tie-ups, one of the things that we encourage the students to do is push above their weight, like punch above their weight. If you think in your head that you're only going to get into a University of North Texas 
sure, we'll apply there. Again, we don't need to be partners with them. They are happy to get their application. You apply there. At the same time, you also apply to four or five other better, better. universities that I'm going to recommend right. to you. And we will mold your profile. If you give me enough time, we will mold your profile to be suitable to get in. Right. Now, there are two choices. You, you either get into a better university and you're happy, you're elated, you go there. You don't get in and the only thing that you get in is University of North Texas. In that case, full marks for trying, right? You haven't shied away yeah. from, you know, not even trying in the first place, not taking a shot yeah. at it, which is, which is, I think, a epidemic of sort with Indian students particularly. They underestimate their professional and academic achievements to a degree that to at least not even apply to a tier of universities that's above them. They underestimate their capabilities so much. Right. And this is something that we've seen over the last seven, six, seven years now. So 100% apply. If you get in, great. If not, you still have your backup. You can still go. I don't need to make money from them. You can still go to that um, underlying safety that you've set up for yourself. We will try and get you into something better. Right. We will try and push you to a much better university. Right. If a much better university, not in terms of brand value, is happening, then a much better university in terms of location. Right. University of North Texas, just to give you an example, is in Texas. It's in the middle of literally the desert and nothing surrounding it. Instead of that, why not go to a California State University? Same level, same chances of getting in, but is in San Jose. It's in the Bay Area. Right. Chances of you getting a job so much higher than at North yeah. Texas. Why not go to IIT Chicago? It's in Chicago, South Center. It's in the center of the financial district, right? right? So those are decisions that we help them Got make, it. that no other counselor would if they are not unbiased. Got it, Suraj. Suraj, uh, coming back to that quote, right? It's easier to do something 100% than to do just 98% of the time. Uh, so you're literally saying that, you know, no matter what you do, if you do once, you're saying you're going to go... Landslide. Right. Because you you breached the ethical line that you've set up. But how easy was it for you to take take this decision? Uh, when did you take this uh, decision? Yeah, um, you know, in the startup world or in, in general, one of the emotions that drives human beings to take certain decisions is FOMO, the fear of missing yeah. out. Oh man, the number of sleepless nights and conversations that Sikhar and I have had on two specific topics. One is, do we remain bootstrapped? Which, by the way, we are. We have not raised a single rupee from any investor across the board. Sikhar and I own all of the company. Second is, do we turn into the agency model? Even if, you know, if it's a slight sliver of extra revenue coming in. These are two decisions that have kept us up all through the night. And I'll tell you reasons for this, right? right? There have been counselors that have started out as unbiased guys. For example, Leverage started out as an unbiased um, leverage. I take these examples because these are the biggest valued, highest value companies in my sector. Leverage has whatever valuation been invested in heavily venture capital back. Leap also started out that way. All of these guys started out with the right um, sort of intention. Right. Somewhere along the line because of either investor pressure or something, I, I, I'm not going to comment on it, they switched. Now they don't even have a premium top 50 university admissions team. Right. They've, or, and this is insider information, they've disbanded those teams. 
Wow. Like, okay. You can't go to a leverage and say, I want to go to a top 50, get me there. Because they will start pitching to you only the tie-up universities that they have because they've completely pivoted to a right. agency type of a model. Right. 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 So from that perspective, these are, but at the same time, they're highly valued and very glamorous. LinkedIn is gung-ho about leverage and leap. Um, really good founders, ISB pedigree at leverage, um, IITs at leap. Fantastic guys, right? It's just this FOMO and we had to take a step back and and look at where our strengths are. Honestly, if we decided to go into the agency business, there are a thousand or two thousand more already in that in that segment. Right. So I don't think we do well there. We would it's not one of our strengths. Like if you ask me to counsel a student that absolutely only wants to go to um, any university, any random place, I don't think I'm the right fit for them. Right. So our market, our niche is very, very clearly defined. Right. We only want to serve students that are really ambitious, that have put in the work to justify that ambition and want to go to good places right. and secure a future. Right. That becomes our niche and we are really good players of that niche. So the question for us was, do we remain a big fish in a small pond or do we expand the pond only to be eaten by another bigger shark or whale? Right. I think for now we are comfortable where we are. We're looking to grow into other different verticals, etc. But we made the decision. Um, we were always, we started off with the unbiased nature and we've decided to continue that down that path. I think right after COVID, um, we were discussing this with a bunch of people. Does it make sense? Does it not make sense? And then finally we said, no FOMO. We, instead of FOMO, we will do JOMO, joy of living in the moment. And we are like, we are okay, boss. I think we'll, we'll continue to talk to people one-on-one, -on -one, continue to do good work in helping students with the best possible outcomes for them. Right. And that's been the center of everything that we do here at Tata. Awesome. So yeah, we made that decision right after COVID and I don't think we, we've, re, we've not even revisited it, which means that we are not really doubting it anymore. So we're okay for now. That's amazing. I think uh, this whole topic that you spoke about in the last few minutes is worth probably a talk at entrepreneurial courses, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, because I was having FOMO talking to you about this, right? When you know that you're getting yeah. uh, $2,500 or $5,000 for yeah. all the people that you put into a certain university. And also when yeah. you spoke about giving free advice and then, you know, getting paid only, it reminded me of another company called Ditto Insurance. Uh, yeah. Ditto Insurance is one insurance company that I love because you have any doubts about insurance. Insurance is such a muddled industry yeah. they keep fooling people you just go tweet or chat they'll help you with the all the information and won't trouble you for the sale yeah. so yeah great yeah. great amazing uh you would probably are the uh, i'm I, I think because insurance is such a big world more people would know ditto more yeah. than wine. so you're probably the Absolutely. ditto in the uh you know overseas at education point, <laughs> no, you already are it's point, just yeah, people yeah. need to know about it that's that's all i think yeah great Okay, cool. Suraj, um, now let's say, uh, you know, one of the things that I wanted to ask you was, um, you said, you, you've uh, spoken about so many mentors that are in your platform, right? Uh, mm. What's the model like, you know, are these people okay. volunteers or? Yeah. So here's the thing, right? The model has to be sustainable. Right. 
the way we looked at the entire problem is lack of current accurate and unbiased advice right. the one of the operative word being current you can't have me for example i graduated 2015 from my graduate degree right. i am no longer qualified to give someone advice on what is happening in grad school as of 2022 2023 yeah. i am not the right person yeah. so current becomes a big operative word for us what we do in order to gather current talent first of all the network effect right now when we started off 12 mentors first two two three years 100 mentors and then it ballooned from there ballooned because of two reasons one every single or most of i want to say 98% of the students that go to the us go on an education loan which means that they have to pay back loans which means that if we are able to pay them enough amount of money that becomes their interest payments every mm. month and that's how we crack right we said absolutely value for your time unfortunately not in dollars just yet right because we don't charge the students that right. much we want to keep both sides of the equation same right. if you decide to mentor with us for every student we will make sure that you get enough amount of money to cover interest payments for one or two months or three months depends on the number of students you are able to Got it. so that's the model for us it's monetary for the mentors it's charged for students. the students we are in between that facilitate the entire process make sure the entire process is on track pitch in with a bunch of advice for critical things that um, around university shortlisting around essays etc which no one single mentor will have which as an institution we've built up over the years so those are things that we take care of internally the process making sure everything is on track the final standardization of the essays the final checks of the applications all of that is in house the mentors help us with directly connecting to the students and helping them with their first few drafts of the documents that are required and uh, of course all of the advice that's passed on between the students and the mentors that way we are able to keep it current so you have current yeah. graduates who you will if you are looking to go to stanford for example you will have a current stanford grad who's in stanford right now sitting down with you and talking right you will have a current carnegie mellon computer science guy who's sitting down and talking to you right that's current unbiased because there's no partnerships there's there's nothing muddled in the waters right. all everything that you want is openly available right. and accurate because you are directly hearing it from the horse's mouth you are getting information straight from someone you aspire to be or from someone you know in a program that you want to get into so those are the three objects like tenets of everything that we do in terms of the advice and advice got it uh, suraj suraj uh, in the domain that you are right uh, i'm sure out of the thousand students that come to you like you said you know 150 of them just want to go to any university and all that i'm sure um, of all the services that are existing in this domain you're doing a very niche one of you know helping students with Correct. finding their universities but most of the students a lot of students who approach you may have a lot of gaps missing you know where you'll have to tell them no you need to yeah. do this you need to do that and stuff like that where probably some companies will think of you know opening their own things to meet those also they'll see business opportunities yeah. and stuff and you'll have a lot of collaboration opportunities right at this point 
you will you will yeah. probably be referring a lot of people in this journey right we do yes. um have how have you uh, seen that aspect i mean have you seen any business opportunities there not about you starting of the services but even you know mm-hmm. on a revenue sharing model maybe you know like a partnership model absolutely. what's that uh, landscape like yeah absolutely so we are very clear on where our expertise lies our expertise lies in helping students that come with a certain prep i'll call it prep with a certain prep and profile in helping them with the applications process in making sure that they make it to the best possible university right our expertise does not lie in test prep mm. which comes before mm. and education loans and mm. financing and visa mm. which comes after right so we have partners that help us with both of these oh nice okay we are in the middle we have a bunch of partners that we refer students to for test prep right we have a bunch of partners that we refer students to after they've gotten an admit for their education loan and financing needs got it so we are very clear we don't want to be a one stop shop for everything right we don't want to be that we want to be your partners in your applications process right mentors to achieve to help you achieve the best possible fit in terms of the university and the course and then let experts take over from there on and we make those referrals to our uh, partners on a revenue sharing basis yeah great um uh, from so far what i've heard from you right you speak about grad wine and you know all the things that you've mm-hmm. spoken about i see that you know you are bootstrapped that means uh, you're going to be always growing uh, organically uh, i don't think there's going to be like mass firing and stuff like that they're not going to be on spurt of hire no. and stuff like that i'm sure a lot of people who have tuned into this if they're looking for opportunities they must be thinking wow this should be a nice place to work so what are the opportunities that hiring, there are by the way. <laughs> oh great yeah, yeah. so walk us uh you know walk us through what are the positions that are open mm. and uh why people should probably come and work with gradwine i'll answer the second question first because i have examples of folks that have done it okay i give you the first example i'm going to give you is the head of my graduate student vertical and maybe sometime um, later on i'll talk about the different verticals that we have sure. as well because we are foraying into a bunch of different things as not just uh, graduate admissions but the current and she just got promoted this year the current head of graduate applications vertical is akila who was a student of the first of the second batch that we had okay so she was a student with us she signed up for our services okay went to purdue university absolutely fantastic top 10 okay came back to india decided to move back to india wow and work with us so she's been here for almost 3 years now okay started off as an account executive handling student mm-hmm. and now traversed all the way to heading the entire vertical right that's example number 1 every single employee that i have spends on average 2 to 1 and a half years with us right which is great amount of time for us because yeah. these are guys that are hungry that are coming to do a dual sort of thing mm. they want to get into graduate school which i help them with okay they help us out with whatever function they are in. right so every single person that has come to gradwine so far we've seen duke people who head on to duke so uh, last year we had three employees all three of them made it to duke university they are going to be going in august of this year wow okay all three of them and this is with our assistance right right 
this um, this year we had two more employees that have gotten into ISB in Hyderabad for their MBA. One of them also got into ISB, also got into Cornell for their MBA. Okay. So she is going to Cornell. Okay. Another employee is going to ISB. Right. These are guys that have ISBs just started. So about a month ago, she um, quit and went back to ISB. I have high hopes of getting her back after ISB, but we'll see. But that's the biggest advantage that I see. We get guys that are hungry, that want to get their graduate degrees, spend two or three years with us, build their profile while helping out other students get into their dream universities. And at that three-year period, we help them get into the best possible universities for their profile. Right. right now, this year, I'm going to see two more guys that are preparing already. Right. Two more guys that are going to be coming in and applying this year to get in next right. year. So that's a continuous cycle of things that, that goes around. In terms of positions, business development is always open. Right. BD is a position that is perpetually open as many people um, want to apply for it. I'm happy to talk to every single one of them and take as many. BD is always open. Apart from that, operations, which is making sure that every student's application process is on track. Right. Be it coordinating with the mentors, making sure that conversations are happening properly, answering any student queries, all of that. So that's an operations executive. Two positions for that are open. And some of the newer verticals that I'm that we are starting, we are open for stuff that has a fancy title, but is essentially um, helping me figure out how to run it, set up the strategy, execution of the entire thing. It's called Founders Office or whatever fancy titles you want to get. Right. But someone who's young, straight out of undergrad, wanting to help me set up a new vertical within the company. So two of those positions are open as well. So yeah, bunch of open positions available on LinkedIn. Very, very active on LinkedIn. Please ping either Srikar or me. We'd be happy to discuss more about these roles and then uh, happy to get referrals from you guys as well. Sure, I hope the video or the podcast yeah. just spreads okay. around. We're planning to kind of have, because uh, a lot of the times, you know, I speak with uh, founders or, you know, who are in the decision-making process. And then, you know, this could be a small little section that people can look forward to looking the yep. podcast right i mean job opportunities Absolutely. are always a thing and uh, with good companies it's even more a bigger thing right so yep. yeah and uh, these uh, positions that you said they're based at uh, based in office yeah based out of the hyderabad, hyderabad. Uh, after covid I've, I've lost the patience of working remotely man i am not someone that can sit on slack every every minute of the day and do that i am so much more comfortable with just walking out and talking to someone, figuring out what's going on, solve problems right there. So 100% based out of the office, no remote office. But uh, students That's from right. across India, they don't have to come to Hyderabad offices such. They can... They do. Oh, they have to come down, is it? Oh, for the... For counseling. For counseling, yeah. No. So here's the thing. We are a completely online platform. Right. The mentors are in the US. Right, right. Or right, across right. the world. Students are across the world. So one of the things that I haven't talked about is out of the thousand... About 200, 250 students are not from India. Wow. We okay. have students coming in from 19 different countries. Wow. Okay. So Middle East, Southeast Asia, students who are in the US who are applying to US grad schools. So all of this happens, Ooh. by the way, because of the fact that we are completely online. Um, students don't need to come here for counseling. The staff has to be based out of the office. Got it, Suraj. Suraj, uh, the other question that I wanted to you know, touch upon, which I said I kind of lost uh, my train of thought was this. Uh, this was one of my uh, first 
questions, but then I don't know. We just went to the conversation flow. See, uh, you've seen the entire uh, process, right? This whole applying to uh, the US thing literally needs a company. You know, it is kind of opened up an industry where, you know, people can yeah. uh, make a business idea out of it. And uh, in India, we don't have such a thing, right? Like, what is the uh, core difference between, you know, the process uh, for applying mm-hmm. for universities in the US? And in what way yeah. is that helpful or advantageous compared to the style that's happening in India? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's a philosophical difference. Okay. Universities in the US want to build holistic classrooms. Right. They are not looking for holistic guys to come in, which means that someone who's tried everything, no. They're looking to build a classroom which is holistic Mm. in nature, which means that every student that's coming in is an expert of something Mm. or the other, which, and that diversity of expertise builds the holistic classroom. That's the philosophy with the US Mm. universities, which means that in order to cater to that philosophy, they don't have a test-based admission. It's not only a test-based admission. They look at your scores. They look at your test scores, of course. They look at what work and what proof of work you come with. Right. They essentially want to know what you are an expert at right. and at what level of expertise are you at. Right. Once all of these boxes are checked, then they give you the admit. So there's an interview, there's an application where you will have to write essays. There's, of course, submission of the test scores and letters of recommendation from <coughs> folks that you've worked with and your resume, all of these. India, Indian universities, on the other hand, are not really looking for holistic or diversity. That's not one of their priorities, right. which means that anyone and everyone that clears the cutoff on a particular test is welcome to join a university. Of course, this is changing. And so is our business. We are no longer just focused on U.S. universities. There are a bunch of Indian universities that are doing absolutely fantastic work and moving to the holistic application review process. So apart from your core IITs, uh, JEs, and the BITs, and all of these, there's a bunch of new age universities that have come up. Ashoka, Flame, Kriya in Sri City down south, um, OP Jindal, Azim Premji, and a bunch of really good places, right? All of these have the holistic application process. They're no longer just taking the test and getting the student in. They have a very similar process to that of... um, the U.S. universities. And we are helping kids get into these universities in India as well. Great. I was going to ask so you because you the, said uh, one of them are going to go to the ISB and then I was wondering if you helped them. Right. Great. Absolutely, yes. Because ISB is also just like, apart from these schools that you get into through CAT, hmm. right? Hmm. ISB takes the GMAT, GMAT or the GRE right. and has an entire applications process. Right. So they have the entire essays process. They have the entire interview process, everything. By the way, this time, out of a class of 800, I think we have about 40 or 45 students that have gotten into ISB through Gladbank. 800, that includes Hyderabad and Mohali. Got it. About 40, 45 students have gotten in through Gladbank. And then another program that is that we are seeing trending upwards is an MBA from Masters Union. Another really solid program that seems to be up and coming. Um, founder is a Stanford GSB. So he knows what he's talking about as a bunch of actual practitioners as faculty. So that's another thread that we are pulling on, but more so at the undergraduate level. 
12th grader is looking to go to undergrad, that's a segment that's growing. Right. We help about 150, 200 people that are going abroad for their undergrad. We've started to build a service for folks that are wanting to go to these new age liberal arts universities as well. So the Ashokas and, and the others that I said, that's also another vertical that we're building up. And there's a third vertical, which I am most excited about. I'll talk to you about that in just a little bit. God, I was going to come back to that. But anyway, great that you're going to talk about what? yourself. Uh, I want to ask you this question. Most of your students, if I ask you how you get, are they through uh, word of mouth and reference? <laughs> 89%. This is 89%. this is what I hate about uh, businesses like yours, right? Uh, because um, my, most of them bank on sales and marketing. And uh, one of the yeah. things that I'd like to uh, pick uh, people's brain on the podcast is, you know, what is the new method of sales and marketing that you do? Mm-hmm. Throw some light, you know. People, um, I'm bored of people who say, no, I get it from reference word of mouth. Because... That is organic. Anybody knows that. If you do a yeah. good, uh, uh, you know, body of work, people are going to come. But uh, yeah. but anyway, 11%, w- w- uh, how, what what are the sales and marketing I'll tell practices? you where that 11% comes there. Okay. Over the last six years, right. the amount of money that we have spent on social media mm. <laughs> marketing, running ads and stuff like that is a sum total, grand total of zero. Wow, okay. We've not spent a single rupee on any experiment, nothing. Like we... We don't want to get into that. Right, right. Where do these guys come from? 89% referral rates, not just from students who have taken up our service the last mm. year, but we have six years of history now. Right. So it's anyone who's taken effect. it up in the last yeah. six years, it's compounding now. Yeah, yeah. Right. The 11%, we have great brand presence on Quora. So Sneaker and I are top viewed writers on Quora. We've written our heart out. We've put in everything that oh, you wow. need to know for okay. free on there. Everything. Like if you're... I shouldn't be saying this, but if you're a smart guy, you attend two of our webinars, go through all of our Quora answers. That's everything you need to know about, about the entire applications process. And you can do it yourself. Right. Only when, you know, there's some difficulty with writing or with identifying someone to talk right. to, getting in touch with them. Those are the only things that we charge for. Everything is out there for free. Every month we do two webinars free. Okay. Attendance 350 plus. Wow. Okay. Every webinar. And unique about a hundred. And you don't market for these webinars. Come out and you no know, ads and stuff. There's, it's there's just a, social media. There, there's no ads. So absolutely zero ads. So they sign up. Okay. And we have a really good funnel to remind them that they have signed up and to give them all of the information necessary to get them to the call. We actually even put in resources to call them one day before the webinar. Okay. Call all of the 300, 350 registrants. Right to get them to the webinar. So we have that process very, very soon. Right. No money. Free. Again, a lot of time, but absolutely free, absolutely um, human intensive. I have an entire team that, operation teams that make sure that every message goes to students that have signed up and all of that, but nothing paid. We do two of these every month. Right. One speaker, one me across the board. Round tables. So we've just finished our engineering management round table. We had about 500 close to 500 registrants for that and about 350 attendees. Um, this is people from Columbia. So one mentor from Columbia, from Dartmouth, from Stanford, from Purdue. Four guys along with Srikar. This is a round table. We, w- we are doing one for MBAs very, very soon this month, if I'm not mistaken. With the right. I will do one for computer science later on. I will do one for data science later on. And so across the board, content strategy is huge. We put out as much free content 
Um, second is community. We have a thriving Discord where people are joining a bunch of questions. We have all of our mentors joining there, asking a bunch of questions and all of that. Third is referrals. Those are our only three sources. We write on LinkedIn. We get a lot of eyeballs on LinkedIn and all of that, but that's it. One of the bigger ones is we sponsor FES in university campuses, the big university campuses. For example, um, Manipal is one. Um, Bits Hyderabad is one. Uh, Mahindra University in Hyderabad mm. is one. CBIT, of course. Uh, VIT, we will go there pretty soon. And as part of the sponsorship, one of the things is free session. Right. And thousands of guys come fill the auditoriums. We are able to do a really absolutely terrific session and give them the free consultation link about... 10-12% of my customers come through there. So, yeah, those are my channels of customer acquisition. Are you guys profitable? We've been profitable from month one. Great. Just for clarification, because... because it's bootstrap, uh, right? <laughs> also, it's so organic. Are, uh, it'll be really, yeah, you know... 40% back. People will be wondering, okay, these guys are doing a lot of things for free. Are these guys even making money? Yeah. <laughs> and not just making money, right? We are 40% packed. Profit after tax is 40%. That number is unheard yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. That number is somewhere. And costs for students are also not that high. So right now we are priced at 42,990. Right. No limit on the number of universities, which by the way, some of the counselors will right. have. They'll say only, I will help you only with five universities, seven universities. None of that bullcrap. As many countries as you want to apply to, as many conversations you need, as many as much amount of time it takes for us to perfect the documents. 42,990 one package. There's no very, very transparent prices. There's there's nothing else. There are no discounts. There's nothing else. Entirety of the service for one price for everyone, irrespective of where you're set from. Awesome. And uh, anybody who applies, nobody's gone back um, unadmitted. Out of the nine, yeah, out of the thousand students, ninety-eight percent got into a top fifty. Everyone else has an admit. Everybody has an admit. Wonderful. Just not the top fifty. The two percent did not make it to the top. Awesome. Suraj, I think um, I've covered all the questions pretty much. Probably just one thing from an entrepreneur's perspective, from an entrepreneurial point of view is, um, you know, one of the the topics that's evergreen is, you know, being solo or, you know, going with a co-founder and stuff. I understand that you and Shrikar are the two people that are uh, co-founders here, right? So how did you, if you can just share, you know, how did that happen? Because it's one of the most important things, right? You know, who you choose as a co-founder. Did you choose Shrikar or uh, Shrikar chose you? How did that go about? Yeah. Again, context. Um, Both of us are same year engineering. We came into the university. He's a mechanical engineer. I'm a chemical engineer. First year of undergrad, is a very critical period. First year of undergrad is where you are forming your right, groups. Right. I had the opportunity to literally do everything that was available in college. I played. I played at a high level, at probably a semi-pro level. Seeker played badminton at a semi-pro level. That's where we met on court. We were doubles partners for a, mm. for a long time. We also had the opportunity to run one of the biggest conferences, model UN conferences for our college, for two years straight and then groomed the third year team as well. The third team when we were in our final year. And so we had that experience. He was number one. I was number two. As I was running the ops, he was always into marketing and making sure um, the big picture, the brand and all of that takes it. We are also very complimentary personalities. He is someone who 
can only think about the big picture. Mm-hmm. Like he's a fantastic guy thinking about the big picture. Five years down the line, what should the vision be? What should the ideals be? What should what are avenues we should explore, etc. Because of certain of my limitations or the background that I come from, either financially or whatever, I am not able to think that way. Right. And I am a very detailed sort of guy. I know where each student's, in fact, if you ask me some student's profile from two years ago, I will remember the exact statistics where he got in all of his admits and all of right. that, right? So I'm good with the details. I know where each student is stuck and I know how to solve for those problems plus the network which um, I bring in. Very complimentary personalities. We only decided to start together after we had worked together in some or the other form, either on court as badminton players right. or as as conferences, etc. After a period of four or five years. That's when we said, okay, this is a good fit for us. I like the way you work. I appreciate the way the things that you bring to the right. table. There's respect for us in terms of certain decision making. Right. I don't interfere in some of the big picture sort of stuff. I have because I'm not great at that. And I recognize some of the things that I'm not great at. He recognizes that I should be left alone specifically to operations. Right. Like he doesn't interfere in a lot of that kind of stuff. And so it's a very complementary personalities that have come together. And we were only be we were only able to figure that we were complementary in nature after having done a bunch of right, together, right. either on court or or during these conferences or during our own applications uh, process, etc. That's when we said, okay, it makes sense for us. We work together. It's a good fit for the both of us. Let's get started. That's that's how the decision came about. Awesome. Suraj, can you uh, talk talk to us about the other vertical you said you're going to come back to later? This is the one that's very, very close to my heart, right? So remember in the introduction, I said, typical 10th grader, there are yeah, two yeah. options, MPC, BIPC. Yeah. The biggest thing that has not changed from my father's time, mm. from my cousin's time, my time, to right now someone who's graduating 10th grade, is still the perception that there are only two choices. Right. Still the same perception. And that's what I want to solve for. I want to sit down with every single 10th grader in the country. Tell them that these are not the only two choices. Even if these are the choices you want to go after, what are potential careers that are possible because of that? So the idea is to go at it from a what are you interested in and not from a psychometric test. All of these schools that are out there give students a test that is right after the physical education period. So no kid is actually focused on the test. They're just filling out random stuff. And that test is determining what they should do as a career, which is absurd. What we are focused on and what I want to do, and this is the vision for us, talk to every single 10th grader that's out there and parents. Mm -hmm. Help them understand that it's not just MPC and BIPC. There's a bunch of other stuff. Even with a PCM or BPC, mm. what are careers that are possible? Mm. What are interests that mm. you have? And what does the timeline look like for you to get there? What are potential careers? What courses or undergraduate majors do you need to do to get to those careers? What do you need to do now to build your profile to get into really good undergraduate institutions? What are your interests? That entire thing is the problem I want to solve for. And that's the newest vertical that we have at that time. We've just signed 
two schools that we are going to be the official career counselors for. Wow. Okay. We are not going to do psychometric tests. We're not going to do any of that crap. Every single student is going to sit down with our career counselors, have three, four conversations each, along with a project in two or three interest areas that they have determined right. over a timeline of six months right. for them to dive deeper and understand if this is what I want to do or not. Once they have found that understanding, a detailed timeline for them to to that specifies this is what you need to do right now. This is what you need to do a year later. This is what prep is required. These are all of your options, either abroad or in India in terms of universities and courses. This is the entire universe. All of the information is now available to you. You are much more aware. Now make the decision. Instead of making the decision just between BPC and MPC yeah. and not even within those knowing what you can achieve three, four years down the line. Yeah. So that's the newest vertical that we have um, started last year. This year, growth phase for us. So if anyone out there is interested in talking, 10th grader, 9th grader, 11th grader as well, interested in talking to us, it's free, absolutely free. Schedule your free consultation on the website. Happy to sit down with you one-on-one and talk. And if there are any school owners or administrators, happy to have that call and you know just come on campus, just give you as much free, again, free information as you need, as you want. And then maybe see if we can monetize it at some point in time. But right now, completely. This is this is uh, pretty awesome because um, one of the talking points for me after a lot of the podcasts that I did in the past was this one question, right? I mean, what is the exact age group at which you decide? You know, what happens to be that turning point in everybody's life? And uh, yeah. I covered a lot of aspects with a lot of people because I was talking to a lot of uh, coaches, life coaches. And um, mm-hmm. then I happened to talk to another founder from the SaaS industry. His name, uh, his company, Simply Coach. He was a coach, but then he mm-hmm. turned a SaaS uh, founder. Nice. Uh, his name is Ram Gopalan, right? Whatever you said, only kind of remembered this conversation with me. And uh, he said, uh, and he had changed careers thrice. Uh, he's pretty, uh, mm-hmm. he's a senior, you know, member. Like, you know, maybe uh, some late 40s, maybe. Uh, he's in 1989. He did something from Bitspilani and that sort of a guy, right? I am that sort of yeah. a guy. And then he yeah. did something in the tech world, and then for a decade, and then for another decade, he he did digital marketing. That is 2000 to 2010, and then 2011, yeah. he 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 just became a coach. And I was asking him, yeah. sir, it's amazing what you've done, but how easy or difficult was the transition? And for him, it was not a big deal, right? For some people, it's not. And you can never bring out the blacks and whites of how they yeah. did it. They can only share what they feel. Yeah. And then I was yeah. asking him, you know, how do people figure out what they, uh, whatever they do, they love it. And then, you know, this whole conversation went back. And then, you know, some people mm-hmm. said, look, it's very important to explore from as young uh, as, you know, Absolutely. when you're in the school. And um, if you don't explore, obviously, you're going to be left with science or commerce or whatever it yeah. is. And then yeah, you're yeah. stuck. And then you realize after your 30s this is what I want to do. So uh, the reason I told you this entire story was whatever you said, I think it's one of the best things that can happen to humanity. Forget India or any country. For humanity on the whole, I think awareness when you are 16, 15 years old can change people's lives. At least 
10 years, 15 years later, they might be cleaning streets. At least they'll know that yeah. they tried and that is probably what they want to do. Uh, you know, they yeah. shouldn't feel like they didn't have a choice. And oh, if somebody would have told me when I was in 16 years old. And that's that's exactly the emotion that we are trying to negate. Right. right? You walk into any room today. Let's say there's a, there's a hotel room with about 100 people attending a conference. You ask one question. How many in India? I'm talking. How many of you are engineers? Right. I bet more than seventy percent are going to be engineers. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Of our age group. Yeah. Seventy percent engineers, and then you follow that up by asking them another question: How many of you knew what engineering was before getting into engineering? Yeah. Zero. Yeah. The number of people that have thought about it is zero. Yeah. And that's the emotion that I want to negate. You shouldn't take a decision. From a place of not having enough information. Yes. Yes. Take that decision. You know everything about engineering and then take up engineering. Absolutely great. Yeah. You shouldn't take up engineering without knowing what else is out there or without knowing what engineering is in the first place. Yeah. Right. I'm an engineer. If given the choice, would I have taken up engineering? Absolutely no. not. No. Yeah. Like <laughs> maybe like 70, 80% of the people that took up engineering just for the sake of it. Yes. Right? And that's the problem I want to solve. Yeah. Yeah. Literally the vision at this point in time is to talk to every single 10th grader in the country. That's about 11 million CBSE, just stats, 11 million, 10, 10 wow. to 11 million students that take up the exam and, and graduate um, 10th class every year. And that's the number of people. That's my market targetable market or whatever they call it, TAM, total addressable yeah, market. Yeah, right? yeah. That's my TAM. That's the market that I want to go after. So far in Gradvine's journey, nothing has ever been about scale. Right. We've always operated in niches. Right. Graduate admissions. Graduate admissions abroad, graduate admissions in India. Undergraduate admissions abroad, undergraduate admissions in India. This is the truly scalable service or if we can convert it into a product at some point in time. This is our scale. Right. So even though it's been about, I don't know, five, six years since we started Gradvine, the Gradvine story is just getting started now. Right. With the enormous potential for us to scale in the so-called career guidance or career counseling sort of segment. There's no big player. There's not a single big player that does it without psychometric tests. I understand, but yeah, yeah. we were part of, Sikhar and I were part of a big study that um, was at, at both Harvard and Penn education, which derails the entire concept of psychometric tests. So we are completely against it. Right. And so that's the journey that we want to get started on now. So, yeah, exciting stuff. It is, it is. For us. Exciting as well as, you know, uh, it'll definitely change a lot of people's lives. I think the yeah. impact it'll okay. have yeah. uh, will be massive because these are underrated moments in everybody's life. They just let it slip somewhere. Yeah, they just take uh, the decision and just go. Yeah, there's just so, so much conditioning happening and stuff like that. So, yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, one thing uh, before we uh, wrap up, uh, Suraj. Um, Collaborations, right? Because a lot of people who might be listening to this would be trainers, test prep coaches, yeah. individual test prep coaches and all like, you know, if there's anything that you'd want to address to uh, yeah, people man. in terms of collaboration, please. Look, our, another one of our core philosophies and, and uh, as, as someone who's, uh, I'd like to think of myself as a dabbler in philosophy. I, I read a little, little bit of philosophy just 
to get out of existential life crises, etc. One of the core philosophies we've set up is one person will not know everything about everything. Right. There is no way. Right. Absolutely no way. And that's why we are very comfortable operating in our small niches in small parts of the internet. But one of the things that we want is we want to talk to experts. Right. We want to collaborate with folks that are doing absolutely terrific work in their own fields right. that are complementary to ours right. or even parallel to ours. Right? right. For example, I was just coming off of a conversation with um, another fantastic Bitspilani alum, University of Pennsylvania alum that runs the education financing piece. It's a company called Gratright. Um, happy to make an introduction if you want to get him on the podcast for, for another episode. Sure, sure, but please. Absolutely fantastic guy, man. And he sits down with both Sritar and I and gives us really sage advice. He's probably two or three business cycles ahead of us. Okay. We become a lead pool for them. Okay. And he in turn channels some of that and tells me, Suraj, we are parallel businesses. Think about how we can collaborate better. Or something right. like that. And he drives that conversation. Happy to collaborate with anybody who's doing absolutely fantastic work in any part of the entire um, segment that we are servicing, right. including, and I'm going to spell this out, including starting from test prep, profile building, even application material like counselors, etc. because we are building a bunch of products and services of our own that can be shared amongst each other. Right. Um, universities that want to come and, you know, sort of take my platform to address a bunch of captive audience, absolutely open to that. Someone who's helping out with accommodation, there's a mentor of ours mm -hmm. that was a student first, mentor later, is now a startup founder in the student accommodation services. Wow, okay. So Stavya Bhatia was a student, went to TU Delft through us, right. came back on as a mentor, started Room Bay, which is another company that I want to give a shout out to that helps students get accommodation right. once they are looking to go. So around that, um, financing, so education loans, scholarships, anything of that sort, absolutely something that we are willing to open, completely open to, we'll figure out how to work that out. It will come from the highest excellence of this company. That's built into our DNA. We will work with you. We will make sure something works out in terms of the finances, all of that, and absolutely willing to collaborate with guys that are solving any part of this entire student journey problem. So yeah, feel free to reach out to me anywhere. Email ID, uh, I'm sure you'll put that up. Yeah, yeah, we will, we will, like surely. Um, website, you want to pick me on LinkedIn, anywhere, absolutely open to that. Awesome. Suraj, thank you so much. It was truly wonderful. It was such a pleasure talking to you. And, um, you know, uh, I wish you all the very best. And this is one of the best uh, things that I've heard about overseas education, trust mm -hmm. me, because uh, I have people that work with a lot of overseas consultants and I hear stories. Yeah. Uh, this was yeah. nothing like what I've heard before. So, as I said, you know, if I could only think of Ditto Insurance, you know, how that uh, yeah. comes yeah, across to me. That's high praise. Uh, <laughs> we, we still have a long way to get there, but yeah, that's high, high praise. I'll, I'll take that for now. Great. Uh, so if you've got any feedback uh, about how this podcast can get better, please feel free to let me know. Sure. Uh, I will. I'll be happy to uh, get your thoughts on that. Hmm? Absolutely. This podcast is brought to you by Edison OS, a no-code edtech platform to operate an online education business. Knowledge entrepreneurs can use Edison OS to sell online courses from their own websites, manage online masterclasses, launch mobile learning apps, sell online practice tests for competitive exams, run online learning communities, 
digitizing their offline tutoring business, use it as a learning management system, and a lot more cases in the domain of knowledge commerce.